Now they've got another shorthanded rush. Stone is in, stops, he scores! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Over to the right side, sixth attacker is on. Carlson to the left, Petrangelo shoots wide, rebound, score! Chandler Stevenson ties the game. 4-4 with a minute 35 to play. Power play goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Got Bruce Cassidy's morning media availability coming up. We'll play the entire thing for you because there's a lot in there from uh, Mark Stone uh, to the game against the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow night, defending Connor McDavid, the Pacific Division, and the record inside the Pacific Division is right now one game under 500. they They've been lights out against the East, so it's one of those ones mm-hmm. where, uh, once again, we're trying to figure out uh, the, like the home and the road uh, earlier on this season, and then Aiden Hill uh, with his strong performance last night, so uh, it was a wide-ranging conversation with Bruce this morning. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman here on Fox Sports Las Vegas with the VGK Insider Show. We just played the Michael E. Minden Hockey Parlay contest. Uh, Shane has his three picks in. The first couple of weeks, the contestant has been stumbled by Chapman's game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that could be the same again. I've got Philadelphia and Washington and Shane took the Capitals. The Capitals lost to Philadelphia earlier this week in Philadelphia. There's no way, no way you lose a home-and-home to the Philadelphia Flyers. So I'm pretty confident in in that. New Jersey and L.A., that's Mm -hmm. a tough one. Uh, You you didn't make it easy on Shane. And for somebody that wants no part of Chapman and I walking away with $27,000 at the end of this thing, if if everything Mm -hmm. rolls over, and and Chapman and I are at the the fashion uh, show mall, and we're buying everything with Michael E. Minden and putting it right back into them. The, you you seem to be wanting to to make it tough on our contestants. I'm just doing my job. It's not like I'm <laughs> you guys trying to trying to come up with oceans two over here. So love you know, it. Oh, you're, it giving, you're, it you're giving us way too much credit for for that one. No, no, no. We're this is about exactly as hair, hair-brained of a scheme <laughs> yeah. as you're no, going to no. see in one of those movies, no, Chapman. Chapman's, absolute, Chapman's absolutely right. Like You're giving us way too much credit. We are fully on board in the 100% honesty that we're trying to scam the system. Yes. Mm-hmm. By the yeah, way, yeah. I, I, I don't have a good feeling for Shane this week. You don't? No. I don't either. I, I think he I, I think he either. goes one and one and two this week. Well it's it's not because of Shane, it's because it's so hard to pick. Yes, yes, it is hard. I I have really uh sort of started getting into the, the gambling sports betting, but I can't bet on hockey. My job prohibits me. Uh, yes. There's a legal document where I'm prohibited from, from gambling on hockey and I will not put my career uh at risk for that. So this is as close as I get to the mm-hmm. hockey a- a- arena. When it comes to sports betting, so it's it's kind of fun for for me to watch and and live and and die uh, with with our contestants and our listeners uh, through this. It's just so difficult. It does, I'll, I'll give you a, a great example of this. Last mm-hmm. night in the National Hockey League, I was going to save this for for one timers, but it was one of the weirdest evenings when it comes to results. Imagine trying to pick the games last night on. Contests like, um, let's say, Chicago against the Colorado Avalanche. Now, the game's <laughs> yeah. in Chicago, but mm-hmm. I think it's pretty unanimous in this group 
that we would have taken the Colorado Avalanche. There's zero doubt about that. Right. 100%. I'm not revisionist uh, historian on this one. I would have taken the Avalanche. They lose to Colorado 3-2, and that, that, that's in regulation. Uh, another weird one last night <laughs> was uh, Boston Bruins. They have yeah. not failed to get a point at home all year, whether it's outside, mm-hmm. inside, or uh, playing on the uh, Atlantic Ocean. It doesn't matter. They, they have a point in 22 straight games at home. Seattle Kraken, second year in the National Hockey League, go in there, beat them three cop. Mm-hmm. Who had that uh, on their resume? I actually considered what? doing the Leafs <laughs> at oh. Boston, but because Boston lost, I figured it would oh, be a slam dunk that, that the Bruins would bounce back and beat Toronto. I, I think so, too, although there is the going through a long streak and then a letdown of a couple you of hit, games. Hit a, hit a little bump in the road. Well, I'll say this, Chapman. Toronto got filled in by Detroit, so both Toronto <laughs> yeah. and Boston yeah, are going to be in Toronto a, in a to lay war. an egg in Boston. They're, they're going to be pretty ornery uh, <laughs> when it comes to their matchups over the weekend. Here's my final example on the weirdness and the difficulty of picking hockey. The mm-hmm. Predators on the road against Montreal. Uh, they started a, a new goaltender, Askarov. He's their future. Uh, the Predators lose to Montreal four three. And those Nationals trying to get, and they've got the red-hot Philip Forsberg. We saw what he did here. He's continued. He's got nine goals in nine games. Uh, but the Predators fall. So those those are, are three games where we would have taken, now, Predators on the road. We would have taken the Predators. We would have taken Colorado on the road against Chicago. And there's little doubt that everything was in on Boston uh, winning and continuing their streak against the Seattle Kraken, who are on this extensive road trip. But are running the table on it, and and mm-hmm. breathing down the neck of the of the Vegas Golden Knights. So that just gives you a little bit of an example, and that's all in one night, guys. That there was three upsets like that. Yeah, I, I'll I'll push back on just one. Um, I wouldn't have taken Nashville because I never take Nashville because I don't believe in the in the Predators. Okay, so. well that's that kind of takes you away from the <laughs> selection process sure if you're sure. always but uh but i get what you mean like uh, the detroit detroit toronto to me is is the more ridiculous upset of, of the night if i'm looking at it yeah detroit's a funny team this year i expected mm-hmm. them to be better longer into mm-hmm. the season like anaheim last year was a playoff team at this stage sure and and then the wheels completely fell off and uh, they don't know where they are right now because they, they haven't been able to put them on this year. That's for sure. Boy, were they drilled by Edmonton uh, the other night. Uh, I, I kind of just, I didn't think Detroit would be in playoff contention, but I thought they would be in the mix uh, deeper into the season than, than what we've seen. Uh, the Flames got back into it last night uh, with a win 4-1 uh, over the St. Louis Blues. So let's slide our focus back to the Vegas Golden Knights who beat the Florida Panthers last night. Who's your first star of the game last night? Oh man, um, you know, obviously the goal that Jack Eichel scored—that was fantastic. But if I'm looking at it top to bottom, full game, um, it, it's hard to really want to pick anyone other than Keegan Colasar. He's got two assists. He assists on the game-winning goal. He's got the big fight. I, I think that that was one of his best games of the year. Um, so because you know, I am am not one to to go with the most obvious choice, and maybe. 
I, I feel it should be obvious in this situation, but maybe it's not. I'm going Keegan Colasar as my number one star. Yeah, I was all in on Jack. He was not going to be denied last night. And yeah. He ended up, the number was 10 with shots on goal, yeah. which is one off the yeah. Vegas Golden Knights uh, team record. But Jack Eichel, 10 shots on goal, and he was buzzing when Mark Stone was around, and that was just for a, a couple of minutes, and he was buzzing after, and he had uh, different line mates uh, going through it, and that was one of those games where you see what the future is with Jack Eichel, and you've got a just solid, spectacular National Hockey League star in your lineup, uh, a second overall uh, pick in the National Hockey League draft, and what he did in Buffalo was one of those games for the ages with the third period hat trick and the four point night. That was just tough to replicate that type of emotion. But last night in in a in a different way was as impressive because he took this team, he put it on his back, and he was fantastic. And then scores the goal when they need it. He he didn't get the game winning goal. And it's odd that you you go back to and the, the game-winning goal last night was the least talked-about goal of, of the game for the Vegas Golden Knights because the Colasar pass to Wah was a, just sizzling. And then the breakaway goal for Jack Eichel uh, brought them even and uh, and was one of those uh, defining moments of, of the game uh, by, by a superstar player. That, that was just beautiful. I, I just was so impressed by Jack last night. Yeah, he was really, really good. And, you know, you, you throw 10 shots on goal, you hold on to the puck as much as he did. Uh, you come to expect that from Jack, and, and it's good to see that he's, to me, as as effective as he was prior to his injury. This is a, a player that can take over a game, and with Mark Stone going down, you needed somebody to, to do that. And I thought Jack did a great job. And, you know, by extension, I also think that, again, fourth line, Will Carrier and, and Keegan Colasar and Nick Waugh, their fingerprints were all over that victory last night for the Golden Knights, too. I think he got the VGK9 Insider Show bump. when we Because we talked about Harold. Sure, yeah, yeah. We got uh, him and Little Buzz going with, with Paul Cotter, and then they go mm-hmm. out there and they do it. They get it done. And, uh, and Nate Ewell, my boss, uh, he, he's, he's like a forward thinker, guys. He's trying to come up with a, a nickname, and he's challenged us because if if Paul Cotter and Jack end up playing together, long term, we got mm-hmm. Little Buzz and Big Buzz. We we got to come up with a line. Whoever ends up staying with them, but we got to come up with a with a nickname for that line moving forward. And so think about that. Let that uh, uh, just uh, rattle around in those brains. Uh, Edmonton against Vegas tomorrow night as the homestand continues. McDavid, Dreisaitl, all coming into town. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Pacific Division record, Aiden Hill with back-to-back performances in which he stops 38 and then follows it up with a 37-save performance uh, to win both games. But the big story when it comes to Bruce Cassidy's morning media session revolved around the status of Mark Stone, who only played four shifts last night. Here is Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, he was in this morning. Um, he's still getting some tests done, so he won't play tomorrow. We'll put him as week to week for now um, and see where we're at uh, once he gets back on the ice. Is it his back? It's his upper body, so they're still going through some different things with it. So, um, 
I'd like to give you more information, but again, he was in, he's gone. So uh, when I, when we get some more for you, we'll try to do our best to get it to you. What do you see from Edmonton? Obviously, they've got two really high power guys. You've got to stop most of the challenge. You've got to contain your Well, I, I think with, with McDavid, it's more about, you know, he's a difficult guy to play against, obviously. And if you try to just match him up one-on-one -on -one or say, hey, this D's going to try to shut him down, it's not going to work in my estimation. It's... It's kind of a team um, group checking. Where do you want him to end up with the puck? Hopefully outside the dots, not allow him into the interior ice by using layers, which is part of our system, a lot of our system anyway. So if we play it well and stay tight, um, hopefully we, you know, we can check him well to the outside and then limit his uh, options to the inside by covering them, um, not allowing those great chances from, from there. That, that's how I've done it in the past with, with Connor. Uh, sometimes it works. If you don't manage the puck, all bets are off. Now he now he's in foot races, so you got to be aware when he's on the ice in those situations as well. But on the normal course of the game, breakouts, neutral zone. Let's defend him as a group of five. Uh, power play is obviously another a different animal entirely. So some discipline. We've typically been pretty good with that. So um, that'll be another conversation how you can contain him there. Now I think it gets more dangerous if you just key on him because there's lots of guys in that power play that can hurt you. You you mentioned. Florida had a desperate team looking for a win. Edmonton's a similar situation. The game last night was intense, physical. Do you expect another game like that? Do you like that kind of game for your team? Well, I like it. I like it all the time for our team. I think it drags people into the fight, those types of physical games. I think 82 times a year would be difficult on, on anybody. Um, but I, I think, yes, I, I like when teams try to come in and push us because I think we have the team that will respond. I think we're a competitive group that needs competitive situations to be at our best. And by that, what I mean is, you know, obviously all 82 games are competitive, but you, you know what I mean? A little more on the table. It's like our practice. We'll go through some drills that are good for the team, but as soon as we get into the more compete ones, when they're competing against each other, everything goes up. So that's just how this group is wired. Some of it's probably veteran guys that, you know, as the ante goes up, so does their sort of uh, their bite in their game and, and their urgency. So, uh, yes, uh, and I hope Edmonton brings that because I think I, we'll, we'll, we'll get a better game out of our group as well. Mm. You notice anything to the Pacific Division? Lost a bunch of games here in a row to the Pacific. Is there anything you noticed? Well, in, in up in L.A., I thought it was a good hockey game. Here it was not for us. Uh, we made a lot of, you know, too many mistakes and then didn't get the save when we did make the mistakes. They did. Uh, that's going to happen. Happens a lot back and forth. Um, I'm thinking back now. San Jose and Seattle and Vancouver have been a long time. So those ones, uh, Anaheim up there uh, just didn't finish well. Had lots of opportunities. So I don't have a great answer why our record isn't good against them. It needs to be better. I'll tell you that. And hopefully that starts tomorrow. The game up there was a good hockey game, I thought, in Edmonton. It went into overtime, could have went either way. We battled back. I think Stoney had a really good game up there, a couple goals. Um, so now we, I, I think we need an extended run of our own division probably to get that urgency level up. Sometimes that happens. You're playing them once, and then you're off to the east again. And So, let, you know, let's get a number of games going. I think they'll, our, they will get better as the year gets on because now you're talking about playoff positioning, seeding, and all that. So... Uh, that'll also bring the urgency up in every division. The way that some of the goals were scored last night, did the coaching staff look at that and kind of just take notes on how things are being called down the NHL? 
Well, nothing was called against us last night, right? We didn't get one of the most penalized teams in the league is Florida. The only power play we got was not an infraction. It was a challenge, right? It was, they had to call it. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I agree, you know, like how it was called. Like it seemed like there was a lot going on in the slot. Jack had a chance. He's kind of getting tackled. Another Nick Waga, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know last night. To me, to comment on what, how it's being called last night was a mystery to me, to be quite honest. And I don't mean to be whatever word you want to use with you, but last night to me, the, the officiating was tough to predict. It wasn't as predictable as a lot of other nights. So, sorry. Let's. Um, can you expand then on it? Because I don't. I don't even know what to say about it last night. Some of the goals were scored. Like, does the coaching staff look at it like, all right, so that is a goal now. If the net goes off. Oh, those the goals. Uh, well, the way I looked at the, both those goals is the contact was initiated by the defender. So that's how they ruled on both of them. They they felt Hutton pushed. Stall into the post. I thought Stall was reaching for the puck and lost his balance personally. And Ben's there on the scene uh, with with uh, Carrier. He gets pushed from behind as he shoots it. So they they deem that contact by the, so th those were consistent. I'll say that those two goals to me the call was consistent in terms of the defender initiated the contact of the player going into the crease. I just thought the first one the net was clearly off and and I wasn't as convinced that. Um, you know, that Ben pushed Stahl into the post. I think they arrived at the same time. There's just natural contact because they're in an uh, enclosed area. Does that does that answer? Or no. The other one, uh, I could see going either way some nights uh, where they'll they'll rule uh, Will went in on his own accord, but that would, I don't know, I thought Montour definitely cross-checked him in the back, but you, you, sometimes you don't know. You hope they go your way. The last one went our way. Not sure if you want to touch on the summary of Chris, but just a bouncing back these last two starts, seeing a lot of shots, seeing a lot of the dangerous stuff too. Just how impressive Yeah, he got he got better as the game went on, which is good. Um, the first goal is a tough one, right? It's a deke. I think Paul Cotter did a good job actually getting Ekblad stick on the way back. Aiden actually just lost the puck. He had it under his foot. You know what I mean? It kind of sl slides out, so that's a good goal. The other one was a bang bang play in the slot. Uh, fortunate on the offside review, you know, another good shot that you see a lot of those every night now where they're trying to hit that short side high up around the goalie's ears. So um, you might see technique change on, on post seals on that one. But at the end of the day, he got better and better with traffic. The five on three makes saves. That's a big part of the game. Um, and, you know, give him credit. He, he didn't have a great outing in Anaheim. He learned from it, got better. Um, the last two starts, and that's what we need. Like we're no different than anybody else. We need reliable, dependable goaltending to win. You know, most nights, we'll outscore some mistakes here periodically, but um, keep you in the game. And that's what we did last night. It gave, gave us a chance to win. So finally, in the third period, we got our break. We capitalized on it. You know, it didn't get away from us. Not kind of what happened against LA, right? You know, it wasn't a great game for either team, but game got away from us and guys lose a bit of their zip when that happens. The guys stayed in it last night. A lot of that had to do with Aiden making some good saves for us. This might be a better question for Sean Burke, but you mentioned the changing of technique. Would you like to see goalies go less RBH? Uh, you know what? Uh, the alphabet soup kind of post seals to me is a little bit not my strength. Maybe Darren can help me with that. Um, I think it's just going to change because more t shooters are going to find a way to expose how goalies play, right? I mean, before it was all low shots, you know, because goalies stood up. Now they go down the butterfly, so everyone that's upstairs a lot. So they've learned to. So the next part of it is, yeah, I just see a lot of those goals now. So something will change. A goalie coach will come along and say, okay, we're getting beat too often there, as opposed to maybe 
on the ice by the post or whatever. So we're going to have to find a way to cover that part of the net. How do we do that? We're probably going to have to stay on your feet somehow, right? Unless you're, you know, can go down and cover the whole thing with somehow with your shoulder or, or they're going to bring those, who had those things there in the island? Gar Snow, those flappers, the shingles of the roof shingles in your shoulder pad. Something will have to change because there's a lot of pucks going in there. Every night I see it, so or an attempt of it anyway that's close. So something will change. That's just the way the game will evolve. So it, it is a better question for Sean. Um, but my guess is there will be something built in uh, for, for those situations where you feel that guy's on his forehand um, and sort of knowing that, he hey, he's looking to, to shoot it up there. Because, um, well, even the backhand, I saw one this year in, couple of highlights where guys throw it up there with their back. Jack tried it the other night, hit the goalie in the head in L.A., right? He hit Copley or, sorry, here at home. Like, they're, they're going to try that. If it's there, if that's the hole, that's what they're going to shoot for. So, um, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know when it will change, but my guess is coming. Always fun to listen to Bruce Cassidy. Uh, all of it uh, from defending Connor McDavid and what goes into that. Uh, the Pacific Division challenges with trying to lock down that top seed and uh, the record within the division. And, and hadn't thought of it in the sense of having a couple of uh, Pacific Division uh, opponents in close proximity might help elevate the intensity instead of it just being a one-off and then going back to the Central or, or, or out East. Uh, I think that there's uh, there's some merit to that. What my favorite part, though, really centered around asking whether or not he likes teams pushing like Florida pushed them last night. Yeah. And his answer was, yeah, they, they almost embrace it. And, and in practice, uh, this is a team that uh, when they elevate the physical style and, and the intensity, that they raise the level of their game. And when teams come in and decide that they're going to push a little bit, it results in the raising the level of their game. And uh, I thought that was a really cool answer to how they can react to a team trying to intimidate them yeah i mean you either rise or you wilt right and i think for the golden knights what we've seen is when teams bring their a game their best into that building or really at any point in time during the season the golden knights usually come through with with their a game they come through with their best uh, of the year so um, i liked the response in the game from the vegas golden knights i love the way that they played last night against florida um, and i i like how this team finds a way in those bigger feel type of games to come through and get some wins. I, I don't think it's wilting in, in as much as some teams, when they're pushed, they try and quiet the game down a little bit. They, they don't get involved, right? You, you don't have kerfuffle mm -hmm. after kerfuffle after kerfuffle. They, they will do whatever they can to just uh, make all that go away. And Vegas is, is a lot like that. Uh, they, they don't initiate those. Very rarely do they initiate uh, the scrums after the whistle. Last night was a bit of an exception after things got riled up a little bit. They they really looked to uh, or seemed to welcome that different style of game. Yeah, I, I think they did. And it, it was what the game called for, right? It was what that moment needed it to be for the Golden Knights. And, and my, my point is, like, when a team comes in or the Golden Knights get an opposition's best game, they're pushing, uh, there's bite to the game, but but you're also getting some, you know, an, an opponent that's that's trying to move the needle and, and really getting up to play the Golden Knights. 
I think the Golden Knights have been able to match that intensity, or they've been able to dig a little bit deeper and find another level to their game. Those are the things that you want to see when the when the stakes get a little bit higher and the game feels a little bit bigger. The Golden Knights are right there raising the level of their game, and I think that that's the the point I'm trying to make is that that's what they relish. They enjoy those games where both teams are on and really dialed in and want those two points. I like them. I'm a big fan of kerfuffles. I wish we had more of them across the National Hockey League. We have Vegas against Edmonton tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Would you start Aiden Hill in back-to-back games, uh, consecutive starts? Hasn't done that yet. Wow. Um, That's not the question I was expecting. Um, If it were me, given what Aiden has done his last two starts, yeah, I think I'd go Aiden Hill tomorrow night against uh, the the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know which direction they're going to go. Uh, I, I and if I was going to lay a wager, which I won't, uh, I, I, I expect them to start Logan Thompson. Uh, but mm-hmm. Aiden Hill mm-hmm. played the game in Edmonton, so it's not like uh, because it's Connor and and Leon uh, that you're going to to start your number one guy and your all star. Because Aiden's already faced the the Edmonton Oilers and got a point out of that game. That was the the game. Remember when Logan Thompson was on the bench and Mark Stone had the penalty shot and he went over and Logan said mm-hmm. go go five hole on Stuart Skinner. Uh, but given the response that we've seen from Aiden Hill after the contest in which he left uh, the game earlier was taken out against Anaheim, uh, he stopped thirty eight shots and thirty seven shots and and is two and zero in those two games. Uh, he's been yep. playing some of his best hockey. The, the flip side is the last game that Logan played, uh, he was he was lifted in that contest against Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure he would feel, and and I would very similarly expect the same opportunity to get an, uh, a chance to go right back in and and not spend too much time thinking about that uh, and and have an opportunity to answer the same way that Aiden Hill is. So I expect them to go Logan Thompson. Uh, I don't think there's a wrong answer here, but we, mm-hmm. the reason why I bring it up is Aiden's played great, and he's also hasn't made consecutive starts yet this year. So this would seem to be present a, a, an opportunity with him going well. Yeah, I, it sure would, and obviously it kind of opens up the door because you you do have three games in five nights. You're kind of right in the middle of that. Um, it, it would open up the door for you to be able to go to Logan Thompson on Monday against the Dallas Stars, uh, again, a really good hockey team. But um, I, I kind of agree with you in that I, I expect it to be Logan Thompson, but I think there's a legitimate argument to be made uh, that maybe you go back to Aiden Hill and you, you kind of ride that until uh, – until, you know, you go to to Logan because you need to. So it's interesting. You've got Edmonton, Dallas, Detroit, and Washington, right? And then the uh, Arizona Coyotes on the road. Hmm. Like there's there's some tough opponents in there. Uh, I I don't think that that Aiden Hill uh, is is in a position where you just give him just by uh, opponents record just the Detroit game. Or just the the right. Arizona game, like he's earned a little bit more consideration. I'll be curious to see what they what they do go, going forward uh, with yeah. this uh, this next schedule. We have some tickets to give away, don't we? Two sets. Let's give away one set right now. Caller number eleven to seven zero two eight seven six thirteen forty. We will send you to see the Detroit Red Wings against the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday. 
next Thursday at T-Mobile Arena. If you are caller number 11 to 702-876-1340, one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League are coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Deserves mentioning a couple of times. Uh, Mark Stone, categorized as week-to-week today by head coach Bruce Cassidy, will not play tomorrow. Uh, against the Edmonton Oilers, so we'll have some new lineup combinations. Who do you expect to be on that other wing uh, tomorrow night with Chandler Stevenson? Ooh, um, man, I I think I think I like the idea of keeping Cotter, Eichel, and Marcia so together. So you've got Amadio, you've got Stevenson. I don't know. I'm not sure what combination you're going to look for. I, I I think that you're, you know, who's healthy, right? Is is Pavel Dorfiev an option? I, I'm not sure. Doesn't is, sound is, like it. Brett Howden certainly not an option. So, um, you're going to bring maybe Jonas Rombierg up. So I don't know. Like maybe you give Phil Kessel an opportunity. You give him a look. You give him a chance. I'm not really sure what direction the Golden Knights are going to go in, in trying to to fill the the role of Mark Stone. Uh, let me throw this one at you. What about okay. filling the left side and moving Michael Amadio over to his natural wing, just uh, just for a little bit? Okay. Yeah. I mean that's that's fine too. Yeah. Um, it's an option. That, that they may consider. Uh, we have uh, a trade deadline that's going to start to come within range here in, in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. It's just percolating right now. Uh, nothing is, I don't expect anything to, to break the seal on it in the coming days. But uh, one area of great anticipation is what the likes of the Anaheim Ducks are going to do and mm-hmm. the St. Louis Blues. Uh, St. Louis has some high-profile unrestricted free agents. And Anaheim has a few different players of varying skill levels. One of them is John Klingberg. With Arizona dangling Jeff Chikrin out there and wanting a boatload, what would you give up for John Klingberg? Oh, I I don't know that I'd go as high as a a first-round pick. That's what they would like with... Well, I don't know that I would go there based on the year that John Klingberg's having. Like, is it is it just a a score effect to a degree because he plays for the Anaheim Ducks, or has John Klingberg lost a step? Like, those are all questions that I need to feel fairly comfortable with. But I, I don't know that I'm going as high first round pick on that one. I always think back to Alec Martinez and the acquisition there, and how great he's been with his organization. But the, his numbers at that time with L.A. Sure. were were not great because he wasn't on a, a very good hockey club at the time. And Klingberg, he, he's been through it, and and he didn't get the long-term deal he was looking for in the summer. And that's right. why he only signed a $7 million deal, one-year contract with the Anaheim Ducks. So there's no commitment going forward. You're on the hook for the rest of, uh, of this year. Uh, they're not a very good team. Like Cam Fowler, here, here's a guy in, in Anaheim who I think is a really good defenseman in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And he looks 
just defeated right now. He's making some plays and has been in a situation where I know Cam Fowler is is a better player than than what I've seen recently. Yeah. And it just that tells me that it's starting to wear on those guys in, in where sure. they are. And does does Klingberg and and how much of a boost, quite honestly, Ryan, can teams get in in acquiring a player like that? Putting them in your lineup and being rejuvenated and 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 putting them back uh, uh, into a competitive environment. I mean, you you can you can hope for that all you want to, but I don't know that I'm convinced it's going to happen. Mm. That's that's kind of the, the the place that I'm at. Like, will you you'd go you go first round pick for John Klingberg? I'd think about it. If Jeff Chickren's going to cost me two first, uh, I I go Klingberg for one, and then. <sighs> I'm also yeah, not sold I, on the I, on the chicken consistency part of it. Uh, did you see the Tampa Bay Lightning Vancouver Canucks game at all last night? It was wild. Mm. The back and forth of that one, and then the Canucks make it very close at the end. Nine goals scored in that game. Ends up being a five-four win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And in the final seconds, the the net's empty. Colin Delia uh, is on the bench for the extra attacker. Mm. I, I didn't see yeah. whether JT Miller was waving him or, or not. Uh, and caused any type of disruption uh, going into it. But Andre Vasilevsky made one of the great saves at the buzzer that I've seen, in which it wasn't a scramble or anything like that. With five seconds to go, Vancouver made a rush, and in the final second, final second, Vasilevsky Uh stops a mini breakaway and comes up with a save. It was heroic on behalf of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And there's, there's some buzz about Tampa Bay. Like they've hung in this thing pretty good this year, for for a team that's been to three straight finals, and yeah. you wonder whether the fatigue factor is going to get in. They've had their injuries. Uh, Steven Stamkos has been great again, and they're not a team that uh, is wilting. No, they just keep chugging along. They yeah. keep kind of you know reconfiguring their their bottom six they continue to get really good production from their top six and when you've got an Andre Vasilevsky who even in a game where he gives up four goals is able to do that right like that is point saving game saving that's the difference that Andre Vasilevsky makes on a night-to-night basis uh, the save was phenomenal. It, it was a, a great save and, and one of those things where you, you just need to timely save every now and again. And Andre Vasilevsky is equal to the task most often than not. And JT Miller scored on a similar play earlier in the game on him yeah. uh, on yeah. a one-on-one situation. And back comes the, the big cat and makes the save. And on the subject of that, big saves, mm-hmm. Ilya Sorokin played for the New York Islanders against the Minnesota Wild last night. Uh, the Wild fell behind and then scored three straight and walk off with the win. One of the goals that the Minnesota Wild scored was from Freddie Goudreau. Yeah. And I, I, this one is exactly like the play that Jack Campbell made the other night against the Los Angeles Kings when he went in. Spectacular save. Ilya Sorokin on Freddie Goudreau. It was mm-hmm. brilliant. Coming across to his left and makes this glove save that has everybody in the rink jaw drop. And the puck yeah. actually flipped out, and they, they eventually got the stoppage. And they go to look at it again, and this is this is one of the hardest place places to judge for NHL hockey operations, is, is a puck mm-hmm. in the net, even though it's in the glove? 
How do they determine right. that? Can, can they see it? This was another brilliant save by a goaltender, and they went back and looked at it and said it was a goal because the yeah. glove was, was in the net. Very rare that it's ruled a goal when the glove's in the net, but uh, they've got some better cameras, and the, the camera's right inside the post, and they've been able to do it. So good on hockey operations, even though I think if you make a save like that, whether the, the glove's in the net or not, it should be considered a save because the, the goaltender did his duty and came across and made a jaw-dropping stop. Yeah, but the puck was in the net. By a millimeter, and the goalie made the catch. That That's all. I know. It, no, I know. come on. I know come you're the, on. You're the, the goalie made guy. the catch? Come you're, on. Once again, the that's rules ridiculous. guy is busting me on this. No, 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 no. You, you would not feel that way. If a goal was either put on the board or taken away from the Golden Knights, come on, that's ridiculous. Wow. If the puck's in the net, the puck's in the net. Like, why? Why are we trying to not actually exercise the rule book? Like, I don't understand that. Because Chapman and I are after twenty grand. That's what we're doing. Uh, the there was a goal in the Carolina game last night, and uh, uh -huh. and uh, Pesci scored. He, he took a shot. And he hit Corpusallo in the head. And mm -hmm. when when you get shots in the head, sometimes it buckles the straps and the uh, the straps come down undone in the goalie mask. Pesci yep. follows up the puck. And as Corpusallo's mask comes off, it's actually yep. off before the puck goes in the net, the mm -hmm. Carolina Hurricanes score. That one, I wasn't sure about. And whether or not that, that goal should have been allowed to stand, I, I think... Objectively, looking back, it probably should be a goal, but I felt really right. bad for Corpusallo on, on that play. Uh, that one had more gray area for me uh, than the previous example. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, that one's the imminent scoring chance, right? And it, it doesn't really get any more imminent than that. Um, part of me feels like that shouldn't necessarily be the rule. Like, if a goalie's mask comes off, the play is dead. It, it, it just seems like too much is at risk in those moments when it comes to player safety, specifically for goaltenders. But, um, yeah, I, I think that that one was was a goal, a, despite the fact that I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I guess the big question, you're a goalie nerd. We know this. Um, is there is there no... Nerd. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Is there nothing else in terms of clamps that can be used so that when those shots hit, the buckles don't snap? Yeah, you could have different buckles, but uh, goalies like to undo them and do them up, and it makes it hard to do that if you're in the course of a game to undo your strap, take a drink of water. Most guys don't, but uh, but it would uh, it would be an issue. Uh, I, I, none of them wear chin straps, all right? I don't know, understand why goalies don't have to wear chin straps uh, as, as, as safety to keep your helmet on, a mask helmet, uh, same thing. Uh, I don't understand why that's not the case in, in the National Hockey League, quite honestly. And if your mask comes off, I I believe... Now, last night was close, and it, and it fuddles with the rules a little bit, and that's why I'm, I'm on the fence. But I would like it that if your mask comes off, you're fair game. Like it's you got to play without without a mask, and that'll force you to either wear a chin strap or come up with a better way to keep your bucket on. Uh, and and when when you're put in a situation where you got to face a, a a shot 
without anything in front of your face, you'll decide that uh, you'll, you'll find a better solution than what there is right now. Part of me feels like it's going to go one way or the other, right? It's, it's either going to go in that direction because you're going to try to force goaltenders to come up with a better solution to keep the masks on, or it's going to just get to a point where you're, you're too concerned about the potential risk to the player that it's just going to be an automatic whistle every time it comes off. Find a way to keep that bucket on. That's all I'm saying. Because the, the force of the shot is what is undoing the, the straps. It's nothing the mm -hmm. goaltenders are doing strat strategically for this. So uh, just, uh, just thought I'd throw a couple of uh, weird plays at you on one-timers. News notes from around the National Hockey League. We have one more pair of tickets. 702-876-1340. Call right now. The lines are open to 702-876-1340. Be caller number six. And we'll send you to see the Vegas Golden Knights against the Detroit Red Wings on Thursday. Catching up with Chapman is next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan Figueroa, I'll end the weekend or the week with a... With a Interesting story. Uh, are you a fan of zoos? Like, do you do you enjoy going to the zoo? Yeah, I mean, zoos are pretty rad. Obviously, you get to see a lot of different animals. Um, there's a lot of walking involved. And, uh, yeah, generally speaking, I think zoos are pretty awesome. So today, the Dallas Zoo, ironic because the stars are the opponents that the Golden Knights will play on Monday, but... The Dallas Zoo had to close for the day because a clouded leopard escaped from its habitat. They didn't know where it was, and wow. obviously, uh, you know, they, they they didn't want to endanger people or the animal. Uh, and the good news is they found him unhurt or unharmed. He was on zoo property. He was just up in a tree. Now, when I saw this, I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's a leopard loose in Dallas. Well... Clouded leopards are not threatening to humans. In fact, they generally don't get much bigger than a medium-sized dog. They generally only weigh about 25 pounds, but they do like to hang out in trees, and they, they hunt small small mammals. So uh, for the safety of the animal, uh, the zoo was closed, and the good news is they, they did find him, and I'm expecting that the zoo will be open tomorrow. By the way, the coolest zoo I ever went to was in Singapore. And it's a night oh, really? night safari, which is really cool because a lot of times you go to the zoo, like you go to the San Diego Zoo or, you know, in my case growing up, I went to the Philadelphia Zoo or the Bronx Zoo a lot. And the big animals that you want to see, generally they're sleeping. But the night zoo in Singapore, they have tigers and lions. And you go at night when the animals are more active because that's normally sure. when they'll hunt. And it's so cool because you get to see these animals doing stuff, but you can hear the roars of the tigers and lions throughout the entire zoo. It's its wild, and uh, I enjoyed it greatly. If I ever go back to Singapore, it's definitely something that's on my my list to do again, aside from eat the incredible food that's that's in that country. But, yeah, I'm a big I'm a big zoo guy, too. I love the San Diego Zoo. Uh, I've never been to the L.A. Zoo, but I remember it from the opening of Three's Company, so uh, dated myself <laughs> there a little bit. But uh, I'm excited for the weekend. I am very excited for the weekend. Uh big game tomorrow night and we get to see the return of Pete DeBoer on Monday that'll be interesting on Monday no show on Monday we'll be back with you Tuesday because of the game